0: Thank you for joining us today on this episode of MSP 1337, a podcast dedicated to helping MSPs and their clients navigate cybersecurity. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and before we get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, VCIO Toolbox. If you're looking to strengthen your client relationships, improve retention, and shorten long sales cycles, check out VCIO Toolbox, the strategic account management platform it helps MSPs get closer to their clients. To find out more, head over to vcaotoolbox.com. Now, on with the show. I'm joined today by Brian Sulo of Clock Tower Technology Services. Welcome, Brian.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, so Brian, I'll just jump right in with a couple of questions that I think will drive our conversation for today. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks about secure outcomes and security maturity as part of the uh, MSP Ignite uh, peer groups. And one of the things I think that's interesting in the conversations we've had that are not unique to MSP Ignite, but are really challenges that we face as MSPs across the industry, and that is security is now something that's not just being driven by the MSP space, but it's now being driven by our clients. And our clients are asking questions like, help me answer this insurance questionnaire, or do we have these things in place? And as we kind of roll through these uh, sort of opportunities, if you will, one of the things that you and I were talking about is what's the value proposition that I'm bringing to my clients when when we start talking about the security components and how to do things that don't you know, break the bank for them. Because as we've talked about with CIS Top 20 and some of the others, it's not necessarily about how much money we're gonna to spend to become secure. It's what's the effort that's gonna be the burden, if you will, on, on me or my employees to improve our security posture. So specifically our conversation has been recently around clients saying, hey, I need help with CMMC. Uh, I'm using that one as an example because that's very specific to what we were talking about, but I think it's bigger than that. So uh, talk to me about what you're seeing as an MSP as we navigate a terrain that is unlike anything prior to say 2020.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting because it all depends on the client and each client uh, varies quite a bit. Um, the last time that... In, in the industry that I feel like there was a really big security focus from the client side was probably about five years ago, um, or just a little over five years ago when, when ransomware really started to pick up. Um, and it was something that was on the news. Um, you know, you, you heard about these, these big ransomware things on the news um, pretty frequently. And it was a new thing. And clients were getting nervous about it. And saying, "Oh, how how are we being protected from this? How can you help us uh, be protected from this?" And um, I think, you know, at that time, the the typical MSP answer was, "Well, we need to put more more tools in our security stack," and uh, that's what we did. You know, we put more tools in our security stack. We charged more money, and clients said, "Thank you." Right. Uh, Put put more stuff
0: in their environment too, right? Not just the tool that you use, but I'm going to load more stuff next to the system tray. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And then um, I think that, uh, I think there's been a little little bit of a lull. At least there has been for us. Um, Maybe we've done too good a job, but uh, I think that clients, you know, when you go to them and say, hey, you know, there's some things we could do to secure you better. Some clients are going to say, yeah, well, I don't feel like I'm that insecure.
0: Right. Um, That's like buying tires, right? I buy the tires that have the mileage that are rated for 35,000 miles instead of 65,000 miles. They're still tires. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, and uh, and these are the, probably the same clients who don't understand the value of, of replacing something before it crashes rather than after it crashes but.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, until I'm a victim, uh, it'll never happen to me. You know, until you're in a car accident, you know, I have a perfect driving record. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It goes on my driving record. Yeah. Well, let's rewind for a second back to the the ransomware and then talking about the law. Do you think it's possible that it's not because ransomware uh, was suddenly like maybe stagnant, but maybe more along the lines of we predominantly in the MSP space work with smb right we're not working with microsoft's not my client right i might buy from them but they're not the ones calling me up and saying hey chris we need to lock down our employees they are spending too much time on social media it's ransomware became something that because i think the space of business continuity and data backups became something that was so second nature to us that getting a ransomware really just meant I have to restore from backup because ransomware was all about getting data back, not necessarily about uh, what are they going to do with the data that they've collected.
1: Yeah. And that has certainly changed in the last year or so um, with, uh, with the, uh, now the extortion demands of of ransomware. Um, I think that the, the clients who are, really driving now uh the compliance and security space for us anyway are the ones who are being who are being forced into it um by because they have government contracts or they have uh you know they're part of the government supply chain um i think you know this has always been the case with hipaa Uh, we don't we don't have any any hipaa uh regulated clients but um the uh We've had on occasion, um, we have financial services clients who have to do certain things. They're not, they're not actually regulated in the same way, which is kind of surprising. I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen. But they have uh, usually their, their broker dealers will come to them and say, hey, you have to meet these particular uh, requirements to be part of our network.
0: Those are predominantly, I think, right now still sort of the NYDFS, right? These are the uh, New York. If you're if you're financially, if you're doing financial services in the state of New York, or the customers are in the state of New York, then of course your your clients fall into that. But by and large, that hasn't really spread to being adopted, you know, throughout the country yet. We see privacy laws happening all over the place, but financial right. regulation just outside of the PCI, it really hasn't been a huge push yet. Massachusetts
1: was one of the first to adopt a uh, comprehensive privacy regulation. Right. And um, surprisingly, we got very little traction with our clients over that. Just nobody was concerned.
0: I think I think when you deal with privacy, it's sort of like a, uh, I don't want to say Pandora's box, but we we tend to i think push privacy to the side and i think it's a consumerism model that's predominantly big in north america pr- primarily the united states and that is i would rather have convenience over my privacy so i would you know take advantage of my my echo dots or the the google home whatever it might be because it adds some sort of value to me that may not even be real value, right? It's convenience to say, get my calendar read to me. And it's like, how hard is it to pick up my cell phone and actually look at my calendar? Um, So I think privacy uh, by and large, and it it was obviously driven by the the HIPAA compliance, right? You go back late nineties, early 2000s, HIPAA comes into effect. And there was a huge emphasis on the privacy side and not the security side from a technical perspective. So you fast forward to 2013, now on the map on the that we're all dealing with is, how do I secure an environment to satisfy HIPAA compliance for those that are bound by the omnibus rule? Well, it wasn't until the last couple of years that we started to see other industries adopt frameworks and, and regulation around whether it be privacy or security. And Massachusetts, like you said, the first, if not the first, also had a pretty strict uh, compliance rules that were even tied directly to, to healthcare. So I think we've watched privacy kind of be in the shadows. And now that privacy is part of really everything uh, that the consumers are, are dealing with, as well as our, our clients, the challenge now is how to educate them. And, and I said this before, it was said to me on a previous podcast uh, with Bob Kopich. He said, uh, we're, we have to educate the unwilling. They don't want to learn this, right? Like they don't want to participate. They really do want you to say, hey, guys, I have an easy button for you. It's the real deal this time. The problem is all of this has been driven by us being asked to deliver something to our clients without them having to participate in that delivery process. Uh, You know, we can talk about how I ship somebody a box and they have to unbox it. That's really the extent what they want to participate in. Like new shiny object, I get to open it. Now we're dealing with say CMMC as an example. Uh, They have to participate in answering the questions. They have to participate in saying I have to achieve whatever the level it is. The policies that have to be developed, they are responsible for those policies, not you. So I guess this kind of is a good segue Talk to me about the client that you sort of messaged me on that said, they're kind of laughing about needing to pay you to help them go through and answer these questions.
1: Yeah. Um, so this was, um, they, they got a uh, an email from the, a uh, customer of theirs. They're in the government supply chain. Okay. As uh, customers, you know, you would recognize the name. Um, they're very large and they basically said, you have to, you have to be compliant with, uh, CMMC and and the interim rules, uh, or we can't give you any more, um, contracts. Sure. And, uh, they received another email from another client who basically said the same thing and said, look, we saw your, um, you know, your last NIST self-assessment score you need to pass this like you have to make this right uh we're going to give you the 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 contracts but you have to make this come out correct
0: (laughs) so this is less about the answers to the questions and this is about proof that your answers are validated
1: well that's yeah i mean that's ultimately what what we're going for um and i think that once we kind of started down this road um they started getting emails from uh from security consultants and compliance consultants saying you know look we want to help you navigate through this and and whatnot and um they kind of were joking about it like oh yeah that's it's uh we're going to pay a whole bunch of money to somebody who's going to help us navigate what the government's telling us to do.
0: Right. Everyone wants a piece of the pie, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I think that they don't really understand what the, uh, you you know, the the scope of what it is that they're trying to accomplish here and need to accomplish.
0: Well, I think there's two parts to that. So part of this is going to be, you're my IT guy my IT company, you know, here, take care of it. And you're like, yep. hey, you're not paying me for any of this. So you've got that education component that says, just because we we manage some level of security in, in a stack that we're providing you, whether it be firewall management to, you know, endpoint protection, EDR, those types of things, that's not the same thing as being able to identify how they do third-party vendor validation, which is right. part of the requirements, right? Like. I would and I don't know that I necessarily would say that I would know the answer to that because unless you're intimate with the business that your client's in, then how would you know what are the elements to your risk for that vendor score?
1: Yeah, and I and I think that's part of the challenge is, is educating the client that it's not just a bunch of switches that you can flip right. to turn on, you know. I mean, yeah, one of the requirements is to have multi-factor authentication. Sure, that's a switch you can flip. You can turn that on and and have it work.
0: But does that, does it work? Because here's what I would say to that. If you turned on 2FA, because the client says turn it on, are you going to then be in a position where you're flooded with tickets from end users who are like, I can't log in, it's prompting me to take a picture of a QR code?
1: Well, that's the the other side of that coin you're right is that all of this stuff causes more work for the msb
0: at least in the short term right yeah yeah so then the other piece is is tied to you know with regards to like the supply chain and some of the pieces that are in there even if this is totally within your wheelhouse to deliver to them there is an overhead or a burden of cost that says I'm only doing so much. There's the other side of this that says, you have to participate with me. The client can't just say, you're doing these things. And and I hear this all the time. I answered the questions for my client back to their client. We have no business answering these questionnaires for them. Now, are there questions that we know answers to that the client doesn't? Absolutely. But their client wasn't asking you to answer those questions. So to give back the answers and you now have... Third-party, you know, third-party answers, right? That's kind of problematic in my book because then whose truth is this—the client's that's been asked the questions or yours?
1: And that's one of the things that uh, in my my most recent discussion with this client, as we were going through the the NIST um, uh controls, uh, one of the statements was, "Well, my version of implemented might be different than your version of implemented," and. Um trying to, you know, I'm trying to say, well, there is some level of objectivity here that you you have to meet. You can't just decide that this is implemented because you want it to be.
0: Yeah, if I recall if we just kind of throw it out there, you have not implemented at all. you have partially implemented, which is also vague, then you have implemented on some systems and implemented on all systems those are like drastically different, you know, variables that have their own, and outside of saying all in or not at all, mm-hmm. the in-between is very vague. It is, and even, I mean,
1: some of them, even what constitutes it actually being implemented. I mean, it's, it's very dependent on the capabilities and the, and the, the size of the company. Um, you know, something that a a 2000 person company might put into place that would satisfy that control is going to be different than something a 30 person company is going to put into place to satisfy that control.
0: So we're talking about, and this really wasn't, wasn't my goal to, you know, steer this in the direction of CMMC. But one of the things that I think is unique to CMMC right now is the timeline. And because of the timeline being a little, little longer, I think, Uh, DOD, DOJ uh, contracts that will have for sure CMMC in it aren't going to be necessarily until about 2025. We have this interim rule uh, through NIST that basically says you got to go through this uh, assessment and and register to say I'm certifying to whatever level it's going to be based on the requirements placed on my company. The thing that's really interesting about this and we haven't seen this anywhere else is being CMMC certified does not make you compliant to what you are being regulated on. They're seeing this. So CMMC certification is about what auditors will be able to audit your company using sort of a predefined criteria and taking a a peek or a snapshot of your environment because to do all of the controls that they need to comply with, all of NIST-171, that would take a long time. So let's do a subset. See if you pass this test. If you pass this test, we will say to DOD, DOJ, yeah, this company meets. Is is we we register or certify them to being CMMC level three. Okay, well, if that's the case, you know, are they NIST 171 compliant? Did they achieve those control uh, satisfaction? Like you said, uh, partially or or completely, like those kind of things and. We don't see that right now with other frameworks where it's like, we're going to do an assessment and we're going to assess only these fraction of controls. We're spot checking you. They come in and they're looking for, are you compliant across the board? So, you know, where do you go with that? So how do you help a client understand that being CMMC certified or for that matter, certifying to anything is not checking boxes anymore. It's about, your security posture, and whether or not you can satisfy any control set that might get put in front of you. Because the questionnaires that these clients are getting are becoming more and more frequent, and they're coming from different groups than we had before. So like right now, you got a client that's getting this, uh, you know, request on the CMMC front. What about when it's the insurance guy? They're not saying, hey, I'm basing this on CMMC or HIPAA or NIST-171. They just give you a set of questions that you have to answer.
1: That's. I mean, that's one of the hardest things about the about compliance management is just all of the you know mapping the policies that are in place to each of the different frameworks. Sure. And there are things that there are documents that that do that, but uh, you know if you're not if your policies aren't written specifically to one of those frameworks, then it becomes hard to map anything to anything. Sure. Um, but, uh, I forget what your original question was, but
0: I, I think it was more of a, a statement with sort of like a hanging chat on the end of it, not to get into politics, but it was, it was less a question and more of like thought perspective. So if I think oh, yeah. about what, what you just said, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I remember what I was thinking. It was, um, you know, this is, I, I'm trying to guide this client into the idea that this is a real change of mindset and that this is a um, this is a process that that you're putting into place this isn't this isn't a this isn't a journey with a destination
0: no this is a journey with a lot of pit stops maybe uh but the destination's never going to be clear
1: Right. And compliance isn't, I mean, compliance isn't a destination you reach. It's, 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 you have to put into place things, uh, procedures and policies where you're doing your own regular audits and you're doing your own regular policy reviews. And yep. it's not just something that you say, okay, yeah, we're going to spend a b- bunch of money this year and get up to compliance and then be done. And right. that'll hold us for another five years or something.
0: Well, even that's an interesting thing to say. I'm, you know, I'm working towards achieving compliance. Will I ever be compliant? I think that's a, uh, it's almost its own religion and theology to go with it because it's a moving state, right? So if, if we think back to, I don't know if you were on the uh, town hall that we did with a um, round table that we did with data with Ryan Weeks. Uh, he talked about uh, just control one and talked about, Uh, asset management and how to collect on control one for asset inventory for authorized and unauthorized assets. And he said, I would be impressed at 80% plus inventory. Well, that's not 100%, which I would consider potentially being done. And for those of you listening, I did air quotes, You, you achieve 100%. One would argue that that's being done. But he made a point that said, you'll really never ever be 100%. 100%. And if you are, it was just for a snapshot, because the next day, what new devices were introduced into that environment, authorized mm. or not? So I think the challenge we have, and I think you you hit it on the head, is we're having to change the mindset of our clients to embrace the idea that says security isn't a thing It's not a product or a service that just makes this happen. It's not an easy button. It's about cybersecurity being part of the journey that all of our clients and ourselves are going through. Because if we're not focused on security in our environment, then ultimately we're choosing to have there be a destination. And it's called the end of the road for me and my business. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that is. Um, I mean, it,
1: it's, it's kind of like, uh, I, I look at it as kind of like a diet or a diet and exercise routine. You know, it, it's, you go and you, uh, you say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go on this fasting diet for the next 10 months. And yeah, I'm going to meet my, my target weight. But if you haven't changed habits along the way, it's not going to do you any good. The next day when you go out and get a Big Mac, but right, it, so right. achieving achieving compliance and achieving security, which are not the same thing, sure, it should be closely aligned. Yep, um, is more of a, a change of habit than anything.
0: And I think that's a really a really good way to say that because I think that when we look at the journey, right, it's that you're getting to a point where if you are following a healthy lifestyle, if you're, you're sort of changing the habits and and doing things to be healthy with regards to the, this, uh, you know, say losing weight as the analogy here is that you can't stop, right? So if you've changed the habits, that doesn't mean you've changed all of them. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to develop new habits that may be bad for you. Like, hey, I discovered that if I pick up smoking, it really helps me keep the weight off, right? (laughs) Like, whoops, now I've got something else to deal with. So I think this gets into that conversation around we're here to keep us moving in the right direction. We're kind of like the coach, right? The uh, the you go to a you go to a gym and you get a coach not necessarily because you need to lose weight or because you need to get in shape anymore, but because you know, muscle tone and all these other things that go into it. I'm not an expert on it. I just know that it's benefiting me when I participate in those routine exercises to keep, say, the fat off. So having a coach that says, hey, Chris, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit so that we're going to do more leg exercises than we are cardio or whatever it might be. And I think that's that mindset shift that you're talking about, where it's like, we've got to get in there and help our clients understand that there is no how we have always done it. There is how we're going to do it going forward. Hmm. And it's gonna change, right? It's gonna change all the time. It's going to change today. It's gonna change in 15 minutes. You know, tomorrow or next week, you and I are gonna have a conversation because you got one of those questionnaires that was just out of left field. And you're like, Chris, I've never seen anything like it. It's no longer a checkbox or bullets that I get to circle. It's now fill in the uh, essay question that articulates why we should be doing business with you. Almost like you're giving me your resume. Mm. And, And I think that one of the, I think
1: you touched on a good point there. And for the MSPs uh, who are listening, this is not something that we can do alone. No. Um, we, I, I mean, I I could not possibly even think about doing this without, um, you know, if I hadn't found you guys, um, so you specifically, but the, the Secure Outcomes team and, and MSP Ignite, um, I wouldn't even be have a clue what to do uh, without a, a cadre of of experienced and inexperienced, but just a, a cadre of people behind me.
0: And you, I think that's, I'm really glad to hear that. Cause I want to, I got to tell you that it's the same from our perspective as well. So we started the secure outcomes advisory group and maybe two of us on there really had a deep bench strength on say cybersecurity and whether it's hacking or or forensics those kind of things there was two of us so ken may and myself probably were the only two that had you know deep bench strength and as we looked at our team and as this developed over the last year it became really really important to look at it from the perspective of we're businesses that have to operate and use language that our clients understand. That's not speeds and feeds and ones and zeros and techno, techno mumbo jumbo, right? So going to a client and saying, hey, your EDR is not up to speed using Norton 360 or whatever it might be. And, and that's not to diss on Norton 360, it's just to use that as an example of whatever the product might be. The challenge is, is that because we're working together, because we're having the town halls, because we're continuously talking about what's happening in the environment, the media what they're what they're pointing out is vulnerabilities that we might be dealing with we're ultimately going and getting stronger because it's not my experience it's our experiences and using those experiences to define how we collectively move forward Mm -hmm. so any closing thoughts brian there's this has been a great conversation we could say that it was all about cmmc but i think cmmc was really just the example of we're navigating a terrain that involves regulatory compliance. It involves frameworks that were probably built primarily for the enterprise, but we're having to use elements of them in the SMB space. And then to go, okay, how do I navigate this going forward? Because we've talked about all the things that we're challenged with. We really haven't spent a ton of time of how do you do it other than to say, don't go alone.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that is the biggest piece of advice. I think that MSPs, who, you know, we all like to throw the the, the VCIO term around in the MSP space. Um, MSPs who have really done that, who really do act as the CIO of their their clients' companies, will probably have an easier time of this. Sure. Most of us um, who, you know, let's face it, as, as, as much as we hate to admit it, most of our our interactions with our clients are reactive. Um, we're either reacting to something that's going on in their environment or we're reacting to some external pressure that they're getting um, or some internal pressure that they're creating for us. Um, that's where it becomes harder to, uh, I think to, to kind of press the pause button and say, hey, wait a minute, You know, we're gonna start, there's some things that we need to drive here and you actually, client, need to listen to us and do, not do
0: what we say, but,
1: you know, become a, a real partner with us.
0: And, 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 and do with us what we're doing. Yeah. Do it together. Uh, it's funny, as we close this out, uh, I don't normally plug a sponsor at the end of an episode, but I can't help myself on this one. Uh, this month's sponsor is actually uh, VCIO Toolbox. And I'm saying that now because you're talking about if you have the CIO services and that's the area that they focus on and in getting into some of the virtual CISO services. And I think I believe my challenge when I'm helping MSPs or their clients or even my own clients in in the MSP space, the one thing that keeps coming up is how do we stay on task? Because you can use an Excel spreadsheet, you can use a Word doc, you can use OneNote, but the reality is most of our clients need to be mapped to some framework or a questionnaire that was put in front of them. And I think that's one of the reasons that I gravitated towards VCIO Toolbox for my own use. And so I bring that up not to just plug them as a sponsor because it happens to be coincidental, um, but it's important. So whether it's VIO, VCIO Toolbox or another product that you can use to help, Keep the client with you in alignment. And as the MSP, look at your sort of scorecard of like, where am I most vulnerable, right? Because you have more than one client. If you have one client in 10, that's, you know, say inventories at 5% and you got the rest of them at 90, 95 or 80 plus, you know, where you need to focus your energy to protect everybody in your client portfolio. So with that, I want to say thanks, Brian, for being on MSP 1337. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And thanks all of you who are listening until next time.